0: EP Ag Chats, brought to you by Air EP. Conversations that connect generations of experience and innovation in agriculture on the Air Peninsula. The good bits, the bad bits, and everything in between. This project is supported by FRRR through funding from the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund. Hi, I'm Amy Wright, the Regional Agricultural Landcare Facilitator for the Air Peninsula, based in Kimber in South Australia. Today I'm speaking with Andrew Baldock, a farmer from Kimber, and in this conversation, we're going to explore what it's like being one component of a large family farming business and the complexities that come along with this. Andrew, tell me a bit about where you farm and what your farm business comprises of.
1: Yeah, thanks, Amy. Um, yeah, we I farm in a family unit at Kimber on the Upper Air Peninsula of South Australia. Uh, we're a Typical broad acre mixed farming operation, so wheat, barley, canola, lentils, and um, a self-replacing merino flock.
0: How's this season shaping up?
1: Uh, this has been a terrific season. Uh, it's not without its challenges. We had quite heavy rainfall in in January, which caused extensive damage to some paddocks and fences. But the subsoil moisture that's ensured from that has really set us up well, along with some good opening rains around Easter and Anzac Day, and a little bit of a dry winter but it, the spring started quite strong so it could be, yeah, quite a large season which would be nice.
0: Andrew, you, re- you returned to the farm after gaining a trade outside of the community. How did you find this off-farm experience and do you think it was beneficial coming back?
1: Yeah, so I did a trade after boarding school in in Adelaide which I found really important to work for somebody else. A lot of the the skills I learned there are quite transferable. But I think the most important thing I got was, yeah, to work to other people and maybe to get outside of my own patch for a while. And with that, it's really led me to appreciate what we have in the communities we're in. But at the same time, it probably set me back a long way in farming around business and um, and agronomy, uh, which has probably meant that I feel like I had to to work a bit Harder once I did come to, uh, to catch up, but I think overall the time away was, was well spent.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your farming business structure, Andrew?
1: So our business structure at the moment, we're in a partnership between my wife and myself, my brother and his wife and our parents. And we also employ our brother-in-law. So it's quite a dynamic set. That sort of evolved over time. My brother and I came back to the farm at pretty similar times, sort of 2009, 2010. And, and when we initially came back, we set up a partnership on our own and operated outside of mum and dad's businesses. which was sort of a deliberate move, I think, mainly on dad's behalf to help us really learn about business, which was really beneficial and it gave us real... Well, put skin in the game and gain us ownership but yeah that sort of evolved going forward to bring it back to to a partnership of which we're working through the next step of succession at the moment in rolling mum and dad out and and seeing them retiring from the business side of things i think i'll still be very involved but allowing them a little bit more freedom and less stresses of the seasonal influences of farming
0: it's really interesting listening to how you all work together and, and the structure of working with siblings and parents. What are some of the major challenges you faced working with family?
1: Everybody's got different ideas on how you'd employ capital or how you'd use paddocks. Um, so my brother runs the livestock and I run the the cropping. My brother-in-law does the maintenance and and helps predominantly with the cropping and then I probably have a much more active role in the, in the business management. I think the key to keeping it there is to try and communicate as, as clearly and as often as we can. We're never going to agree on everything, but if we make as many decisions together and own them together, we, we, it's just easier to move forward. It, it's not without its challenges. And I think well, up until now, dad's probably been that sort of glue between us to keep things together And we're just working at the moment to perhaps work towards more of a formal governance system and utilise perhaps an advisory board just to help ensure that we're we're on the right track. I mean, we do draw on our advisors a lot now. Yeah, the the meetings are a really important thing and we're getting better at that over time, just setting time to make the larger decisions as a unit, then we all own it.
0: You and your brother Mark both came back to the farm around the same time. How has your relationship with Mark shifted working together as well as being brothers?
1: Yeah, I think there's a certainly one big downfall of working so closely together is you probably don't set a lot of time to just have quality family time or or just to be brothers. It always seems to be business there in between us. But on the flip side, we, we do interact a lot and we, we still have a laugh and yeah, it causes some strain at times, but I think we're all generally on a on a pretty similar path. It's a bit hard to really to really know. I guess that's evolved over time and I probably don't stop to look back at what it was like before. So, just it is what it is and we get along and we still enjoy Christmas together at this stage.
0: And I think he's generally happy with you if you don't put too much in crop and you leave some pasture free sheep is usually yeah. pretty happy in that circumstance too.
1: Yeah, that helps.
0: Um, Andrew you're a 2015 Nuffield Scholar can you tell us a little bit about how this experience has helped shape where your farm business is today
1: the Nuffield experience has been phenomenal for myself Um, as I mentioned earlier coming back to the farm I've sort of felt like I had to play catch up a bit in my knowledge around agribusiness in particular sort of presented an opportunity to to rub shoulders with some of the some of the world's and country's best farm business owners, the network of people that are that are involved in in Nuffield really provided a strong support network for me. There's a real focus on on sharing within the group, really open and transparent sharing. So there's always going to be somebody there that's that's going to have tried something that you're looking to employ or and it will have worked or not it's just really good and and it's not necessarily your neighbours and those at the pub that you're that you might feel like you're in competition with or it's just really open and transparent conversation amongst that which is quite unique i think yeah and the opportunity to travel the world and see see how different businesses operate i had a focus on family business structures so that's been really beneficial to us we're not necessarily doing a lot of things that i found and wrote about in my report just yet. But it certainly helped, I think in, yeah, in fast tracking my learning and, and our business learnings.
0: Andrew, what are the key things that you learnt about family structures in farming businesses as part of the Nuffield?
1: Well, I learned that not many families are doing it particularly well. Probably the ones that were the key was communication and the, the business of farming and farming businesses are quite dynamic as they are. They're large businesses, and then you throw in the complexities of having family members and and you roll that into multi, multiple generations of family members in it. and it's hard. I think those that have sort of bought somewhat of a corporate structure into their business has been beneficial, where you've formalized roles and responsibilities and there's some clear pathways how people would move in and out of the business and and how they can grow within it. Trying to put the family bit aside and and just treating people with the respect and and putting also putting accountability around those involved in the business. And then I guess from the family perspective, it's communication again. So I guess there's a lot of assets involved in family businesses. The ones that I saw well took time annually or biannually to really bring the whole extended family off farm siblings and all together just to just to sit and revisit wills, if you like, or ownership structures and plans going forward. They're never going to be seen as fair and equal, but I felt what I saw those that had clarity around them could could move forward and get along. And I think other uh, part of my my study was looking at how to grow a business to support multiple siblings. I guess that's where I started. My study was, was looking at how do we grow a business? Because I guess that's where we were at when Mike and I both came home. The business probably wasn't big enough to sustain us. We took on additional leases, bought capital ourselves into the business. I was still building, Mark was still doing bits. I wanted to look at how different businesses had built up to make that happen. And it was probably pretty clear to me that if we stopped pulling the business apart every twenty five years when the brothers couldn't get along, that perhaps we wouldn't have to look to to grow it in a hurry or to diversify it too much in a in a big in a big hurry. So that's where the focus on the succession planning and and setting up the business to support multiple siblings and multiple generations come about. But it's a certainly complex topic, but I think, yeah cornerstone of it is seems to be communication and good governance.
0: Yeah, for sure. Farm business structure and, and succession is generally a fairly hard topic to broach as a young person, potentially. But <clears throat> what bit of advice would you give to someone that is starting that journey with potentially their parents and, and other family members?
1: Yeah, tread lightly. Um, it is very, very difficult and it is that communication piece without being too push you on it and maybe put trying to put it yourself in your parents shoes or all your children's shoes a little bit i guess in that one of the hardest things i see is that often the the father or the parents their their whole persona is built around what they've done on the farm and then they sort of seemingly getting getting pushed aside or it just gets a bit overwhelming involve yourself with the advisors is one thing i i think they're going to become a pretty key part of how you move forward. Often, the current generation will will lean pretty heavily on their accountant. Is probably one. Um, I don't necessarily advise that accountants are the best at succession planning, but they're a good start. That's where some of it will will come from. Yeah, learn about it, be understanding, but I guess I guess prove yourself. Maybe trying to understand the business better and. And trying to show, lead by example, and show that you're that you're ready or willing to to involve yourself in conversations at a high level. Yeah, it is a big move.
0: Andrew, you spoke earlier a little bit about how you felt somewhat behind with ag knowledge when you came back on the farm after getting your trade. How did you further that education? Were you involved with any groups? Did you do any extra study?
1: So yeah, I threw myself into the local ag bureau, got fairly involved, sought out member uh, mentors. So so just not afraid to ask the silly questions and often most people wanted to ask them anyway. Really become pretty vulnerable early. Look, I said before, lean on the advisors. So your agronomist, your accountants ask as many questions as I could. It was one example. I, I really wasn't doing think I was ready for that, but. It just sort of threw myself into uncomfortable situations to further my learning pretty quickly. I think I've been involved in a, in a few little groups along the way.
0: I think your involvement with the local Ag Bureau has definitely helped not only your furtherment in Ag, but also the districts and the regions. I know the local Ag Bureau was able to do some pretty pretty good things while you were their chairperson attracting RDE to the the community and setting up a pretty amazing um, network of weather stations and soil moisture probes as well, which again I think it's not only benefited you but also the the wider farming community of Kimber as well.
1: Yeah, just to- yeah look, thanks. I mean, certainly I, I think that just comes back to throwing myself into it into a group situation, and I think working in a team like we are small communities we're best to work together where we can i'm a big one to try and bring people together and and bring ideas together and, and good things will come out of it just think outside of the box a bit i mean that can be whether you how you grow your business how you find funding for weather stations a lot of these things aren't going to happen for you 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 just have a go won't all work but have a go
0: yeah Going back to uh, your business structure, how do you manage the separation of family and business? Does it make it harder to sustain relationships as a family?
1: Yeah, we don't do it well necessarily. <laughs> Look, I guess we're all involved, so often it's a big part of the the discussion wherever we are. We are trying to get better at pushing that to one side and and making space for. For family, we've all got young, young children around the same age, so often we come together for for kids' birthdays, and and that's certainly a time that's that's just for the kids, and and that's probably helpful there. We do still have Christmas together every year. At this stage, it's okay, but we could do better. I think it's important that you do make try to draw a line in the sand at times and just allow you to. Self to be a family and and try and put those other the business things aside. Probably pretty guilty of of not doing that well at times, but I think it's important that you do that you do make family number one at least for some hours a week.
0: What have been some of the highlights of your time on the farm so far?
1: I guess looking back, like we've we've managed to to grow the business fairly well over the last twelve years. Probably employed a lot of new technology, particularly in the last five years, as we've gained greater understanding of how that technology's were diversity in crop types. I mean, we've seen good seasons and bad. This season looks like being one of the highlights of my career so far, just to see dark green paddocks and uh, canola fields and lentils like they are. Fair appreciation after 2019, but they're pretty dry paddocks probably the highlight really is that we've managed to have eight kids between us grow up on the farm in the last 10 years and starting to see them show an interest and yeah just be a bit more of a part of what we do that's pretty exciting around here I think
0: if you were a young person all over again about to follow a career path in agriculture what kind of advice do you wish you had
1: I mean, some of it I'm sure I had, whether I listened to it and whether anyone listens to this will be interesting. But seek mentors is probably the first one. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Seek out people that have done it successfully. Often they'll be maybe quiet, but usually, yeah, they're really willing in ag to share what they've done, what's worked, what hasn't to those that go out of their way to to seek the information and give things a go, like throw yourself into uncomfortable situations. You will grow from them. Yeah, certainly, certainly helped me over the last decade. Like you mentioned earlier, involved in the Ag Bureau, involved in Nuffield. They were things I never thought I was ready for, but they've grown me, both as a person and a business person, immensely. Um, so, yeah, just, just have a crack.
0: What's been the biggest challenge you've faced on the farm, and how did you guys
1: navigate it it's all easy isn't it um it's really difficult i mean i guess coming trying to keep everyone on board is a challenge but i guess just that communication piece and we're forever working through it and i you know what's around the corner i don't i don't know but and the other thing i guess is it's a capital intensive business farming it's how you use that to your advantage and and making sure that as much as you can is invested in areas that, that either grow or return. But, yeah, and, and dry years, be prepared, particularly in our environment, to have a bit of fat in the system, I guess. But, I don't know, every day presents a challenge. Amy, it's just look at it, make a decision and and move forward and just hope that you get more right than wrong and you can keep moving forward. Another thing that's helped us work together is working towards really understanding our numbers so it makes it easier to to make decisions. I guess if we're making them based through our numbers, there's not a lot of, there's, there's a lot less arguments. When you're running blind, it, it really is is hard to know whether you're making the right or wrong decision, particularly if you've got what can be conflicting management areas, like 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 we mentioned, livestock and cropping can be. We're working towards getting better at better and understanding how each of those enterprises are returning over time on different soil types in different parts of the rotation. I think it it just helps to make decisions and it stops the same things coming up as problems if if you can put numbers around them, I think. Because we're all we're all here to grow a business to create some wealth. We're not farming just for the fun of it. I think certainly knowing your numbers helps. And it helps you sleep at night.
0: Andrew, you mentioned well, you've mentioned advisors a number of times and people such as agronomists. What other types of advisors have you used throughout your farming journey?
1: Certainly, some had some help around our business structures and and succession of late. We utilize soil scientists, precision ag experts. So we have yeah, we've done extensive work on on understanding our soil types. Moving into soil amelioration is it's been a uh, expensive move, but I think the background works help us make the right decisions there. Yeah, it's a lot of precision ag trying to trying to measure things zonally. So yeah, we're doing a lot of variable rate applications now, trying to quantify whether we're getting a return from them. So we're utilizing yield maps and protein maps and, and various data layers trying to put the costings around around things to make sure that what we're doing is is making money. It's sustainable and um, hopefully sort of cutting out the bits that aren't and continuing to get better. Margins are only going to get tighter and tighter. So it's important that we utilise a lot of the tech that's already there. So, yeah, probably tech advisors have been pretty important for us.
0: Following on from that question, have you made more of a shift to outsourcing things? You mentioned a Precision Ag consultant. Do you do that work yourself or are you... Finding better ways to use your time and and outsource things like that.
1: Yeah, so we've outsourced more and more. I guess yeah, as you said, time is hard to come by. I've, I've probably nearly flipped back into being a bit more hands on with some of that because they're quite strategic decision making. Particularly, try to be pretty hands on when we're building a formula or when we're trying to get an idea of how it is. So. You know, if I can simplify that system or automate, we're trying to automate wherever we can. But I think to get there, you have to understand what you're trying to put together, because otherwise, you can make some poor decisions. So I guess in short, early on, be really hands on, then happy to to automate or to delegate as much as we can.
0: You mentioned that the kids are all starting to show some interest, and that's probably a pretty exciting time. How do you feel? you could set them up for success on the farm and in their relationships with each other?
1: I'd hope that if, if they are looking to be involved in the business that we've done the groundwork to set it up in a professional manager so it's quite clear how they come in. And I guess the business is at this stage growing enough that if my son was coming in, I'd probably make sure he was working under someone else or somewhere else as well for, for a time. Certainly would encourage them to, to go and work for others initially but just just to set up that management role so so aside from whether they're our children or or anyone coming into our business just try to work towards a pretty clear a clear employment structure and management structure in, in the business where possible i don't know hopefully as far as them getting along it's that communication piece so they all don't know what what we're up to and um just respect for one another yeah it'll it'll be interesting. I mean our kids are pretty young at this stage I' had a bit of time to think about it, but there's also a few of them, so it'll be interesting if they all or a good portion want to come back to the farm
0: and I suppose um nurturing their relationships from an early age with with everyone living on farm across different properties, but um that must be fairly interesting as well.
1: yep yeah, they don't always get along, but no I think. Yeah, I think generally being around and being around nature and and playing together in that outside space. And as they get a little older, I guess we'll involve them a bit more in in some of the business conversations, trying to set an example, a professional example. That's probably another thing I I learned from traveling was that yeah, those that, that had done it quite well started to involve their kids quite early in understanding yeah what it meant to run a business. I didn't have necessarily any say in it, but they were able to see it and start to ask questions and become inquisitive because I guess the agribusiness side of things is, is challenging, but it's probably partly as important as anything else in the business. So,
0: If you've learned anything from your parents, what do you think would be the key thing that stuck with you?
1: I mean, they certainly set a very good work ethic and they work together well. They taught us how to work pretty well with cheap labour early too. Dad was always very good at understanding his his numbers, always good at giving things a go or trying new things. But I guess in doing that, making sure the core bit of the business was running as well as it could and probably getting 80% of things right, uh, maybe not get too caught up in in some of the fine detail at times. It's, you know, get your crop in time, just those the key things first and then worry about on the fine tuning i can be guilty of that too at times you might worry about some of the shiny things or the fine tuning bits but if the core of your business isn't working well it's not going to grow well and support those other things so looking back on it, it's probably one of the main things i've i've learned from our parents is that yeah get those core bits right and then the other things will fall into place
0: and i guess this this follows on from that question that if you were to teach your kids something and I guess those core elements, what would you want it to be that sticks with them?
1: Yeah, it's a very, very good one. All of, take responsibility for your actions. Give things a go. Yeah, so accountability. Yeah, I think if you give things 100% and you and you understand them, then you'd be proud of them and and things will go your way. But, yeah, respect for yourself and respect for others.
0: Thank you very much for jumping on, Andrew. Um, we really appreciate it.
1: No worries. Thanks, Amy. Cheers.
0: For more information about AIR-EP and to get involved with your local research committee or receive our e-newsletters, check out the air EP website, airep.com.au, for our contact details and get in touch. We're always happy to chat.